0: Thank you all for coming out tonight on this, um, rainy, damp, cold night when you could be home on a couch under a blanket. <laughs> so thank you for being troopers and coming. So let's go before the Lord and just pray. Heavenly father, we just thank you for tonight. I thank you for each lady that came and I pray father that you would just organize my words and my thoughts, Lord, and, um, help me to just, um, you know, I've studied, um, as you've called me to, and I just pray, Lord, that it would come out the way you want it to come out, Lord, and that you, um, it would be your words. And just pray, Father, that you would minister to us tonight, that you would, um, soften our heart, help us, um, as our mind is going, um, constantly, Lord, to just slow down and be able to listen and to not think about today's events or next week's events or, um, whatever may be at hand. So I just Pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts and help us to um, just hear from you now. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Okay, we are in James chapter 3. Let me put my eyes on. James chapter 3, and we are finishing it, 13 through 18. But I started out by giving you guys a poem that we're going to read, okay? And uh, Meef wrote this poem during a really, really, really. um, dark time in her life, a really difficult time. Um, so I know these are the, just the Lord gave her this. She's not a normal, normally she doesn't write poems. So we're going to read this. You can't, I can, can you lead forth constellations, dress the seasons for their show, send forth lightning from the heavens, teach a simple seed to grow. Can you once command the morning, cause the dawn to know its place? Wrap the waters in your garment. Stare Leviathan in the face. Who has given Frost its birth? Where's the storehouse of the snow? Did you teach the birds to migrate? Who has done this? Do you know? Were you there when I created earth and sky, land and sea? Set the boundaries for the oceans? I will ask you. Instruct me. Can you toss the stars in heaven? Hold the whole world in your hand? Keep keep a simple heartbeat beating? It's okay. You can't. I can. So I want you guys to take that poem home. Sorry, it's not the prettiest print. Um, but um, when you're struggling to know who God is, pull that poem out and read it and be reminded that he's done all that. You know, so he is, he is much bigger than where we put him. When you whittle him down, um, be reminded of who he is. So tonight we're looking at lesson seven, two kinds of wisdom. And we do, we, we do need God's wisdom in the world we're living in, especially today. Life is not a playground, but a battleground. Isaiah 520 says, woe to those who call evil, good and good evil. Boy, is that our world today? Who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It's Isaiah 520. F.B. Meyer says this. There is no book like the book of James. There is no book with so lofty an ideal of what life may become when it is yielded to the grace of Christ. A cleansed heart, an unspotted robe, no sin allowed and permeated in the soul. No evil habit allowed to dominate and thrall the life. So chapter one, we're just going to look back and be reminded of what we've learned, is the mature Christian is patient in her testing. The testing of our faith produces endurance, and obedience keeps us in the light of God's presence. Disobedience sends us where? Into the darkness to learn and, and grow. Prove yourself to be doers of the word, sustain in the word. Chapters two, the mature Christian practices truth. We are to love our neighbor as ourself and not show partiality. Life is the classroom, love is the lesson, and faith is the test. There is a dead, demonic, and dynamic faith we learned. In chapter 3, the mature Christian has power over her tongue. We learn we can direct, destroy, and delight with our tongue, the brighter or ruddle, a fire and a fountain. The tongue, James says, the tongue is a restless evil Deadly poison. James ended with the analogy of the fountain and the fig tree, and now he's moving from our thoughts and words to our actions. Another favorite quote is Sow a thought and you will reap an action. Sow an action and you will reap a habit. Sow a habit, you will reap a character. And sow character, you will reap a destiny. That's Ralph Waldo Emerson. So let's look at James 13 verse James 3 verse 13. I'm just going to read the few verses we have tonight. Who is wise and understanding among you let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly, sensual and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we're looking at verse 13. So James says in these first verses, who is wise and understanding among you, let him show by good conduct. The New Living Translation says it like this, which I really like. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. So James says in the first verse, there are two things that demonstrate that we are walking in wisdom, good behavior And deeds and gentleness. Here's another quote. And knowledge, this is so good, ladies. Knowledge is knowing what to say. But wisdom is knowing when to say it. And if you've been married for a long time, you learn that very quickly. Because you can say it at the wrong time in the wrong way. And it can be taken. And before you know it, taken wrong. And then there's a huge fight. Or you can, you know, I've told my girls, right now it's not time to talk to Daddy about this. We're going to wait till another time. So knowledge is knowing what to say, but wisdom is knowing when to say it. Good behavior reveals wisdom. Wisdom is to know how to apply knowledge. There are many people who are very intelligent geniuses. Um, They can, you know, take computers apart and put them back together. They can work better than they did prior. Yet they are unable to carry out just simple, everyday tasks of life. They can run computers, but they can't manage their own lives. They have tons and tons of information, but they don't have wisdom. When we have wisdom, it affects how we behave, and it stirs our life in a God-glorifying direction. I was very blessed... um, when I met my husband, he was three years younger than me. So I, you know, I always think, oh my gosh, I would have been a senior, he would have been what a freshman. That would have been like a big no-no, right? But when I met him, he was nineteen, I think. Yeah, and so I was twenty-two, and um, I could not believe he was only nineteen because he just was very wise, and um, that's what like I was very attracted to that because I didn't have any. Like, I was very lacking in wisdom. And so I was very attracted to that because I'm like, I need what you have. And so just, I'm just very blessed to have married a man with wisdom. And I've grown in my character so much from the wisdom that the Lord has given him. He just really is, um, like, you know, like one of the things I said that has been so good is, you know, with raising girls and just, you know, life in general is don't react, but respond. You know, it's so easy for us. Um, to react, especially today's world. Everybody's reacting, and it's pretty ugly. Wisdom starts with telling ourselves the truth, and the Bible tells us the truth. Psalms, Psalm 111.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have, have all those who do his commandments. And it's not the kind of fear, like a like a scary fear. It's more of a respect fear, like in all of who he is. Like, like when you read this, you're like, yeah, he did that. He has control of all of us, you know, like that's our God. His wisdom, that's the beginning of it. Don't ever try to be anyone else. Live for the audience of one. The actions you do, the jobs you take, and the way you interact with one another. Have you ever tried to be someone else? Have you ever tried to live for someone else? It's exhausting. And you'll never, ever make someone else happy. But if you live for Jesus, live for an audience, he'll bless you. He'll make it beautiful. Walk the walk, just don't talk the talk. A picture is worth a thousand words. Ecclesiastics 1010. If the the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. So number two, gentleness reveals wisdom. I... Growing up, I had a few girlfriends, but I really tended to hang out more with the boys because um, girls were kind of mean. And I feel like women, I'm just going to be honest, I know none of you are like this, right? But women can be pretty darn right nasty. We can get mad at a friend or a family member And we can literally play that record player over, like remember I spoke about the record player last time, play it over and over again. And that anger and bitterness and revenge, and it can just take us to a real, real ugly place. My husband and I, um, years ago, he, I was, years ago, I was a night owl and not a morning person. And that's changed. I've grown a lot in the area. And so we It was so fun, but at our old house in New York, I turned on the TV one time, and we had all these channels, like Disney and all these things, and and the girls were, like, going crazy. So we had this channel, like, sports channel. I don't even know what it's called, but we were getting fights. We liked to watch, well, I I didn't really know about fighting, that it was a sport. I was like, oh, my gosh, what are they doing to each other? But my husband liked to watch it, and he would stay up. I mean, one time, we stayed up till like, 3 in the morning. And that was, like, it was really fun. I'm, like, this is really fun. You're staying up so late. I mean, we were really grumpy the next day, but it was just a a fun season. And he's, like, I don't understand why we're getting this channel. We have basic cable. And I'm, like, I don't know, but can we not call anybody yet? (laughs) But anyway, I just would watch, and it really, truly, like, I watched it with him, and I was, like, really into the California kid. That's back when he fought. He's retired since now. But anyway, it was just something we connected on, and we were, like, into it. You guys are probably, like, oh, my gosh. But anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's MMA. So it's like a sport. And these guys, these guys will like shake hands, hug, and then beat each other up. I'm not kidding you. Like, like not a little bit of beat up, like blood and like gashes with their. I'm like, I'm thinking they're going to lose an eye. Like it's bad and ugly. And then after that, what would women do? We would definitely not hug after that. Then they hug and shake and there's like this total so it's a sport it's like this total respect and so in studying i was like wow if we could as women disagree or have an you know have a fight or an argument with a family member or a friend and it not destroy a relationship permanently where once you got together and you were close and you thought, gosh, we're going to be friends forever. You know what I mean? Like, if you could just hug afterwards and say you're sorry and really mean it and move on like these guys do, but women don't. And it's sad. It saddens me because I feel like there's such, especially among the Christian women, it's such a bad example to our fellow family and friends. Because they know that we know the Lord. But yet we cannot forgive and move on. As Jesus calls us to. You know what I mean? Like, and I've seen a lot of brokenness among friendships. You know that, that it just breaks my heart. So um, I really want to challenge us all to not go that route. To just maybe disagree talk about it, forgive and move on. You know what I mean? Disagree, but still be friends. You know what I mean? Like you can still be, what's that statement? Disagree, but still disagreeable. Yes. So that's just my encouragement to you. Um, I feel like we don't have a good example of that as Christian women. And I feel like we can do so much better. So, um, So we need to be gentle. Gentleness reveals wisdom. There's only one place that I know of of in the Bible that Jesus says, learn from me. Matthew 11, 28, 29 says, Come me, all of you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I just kept reading that this past week. And learn from me. I capitalized me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's so patient. So a wise woman is gentle and humble like Jesus. If we are walking in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, there will be humility and gentleness that characterizes our life. Pride and arrogance should not be how we represent our Jesus to our society. And don't listen to anyone who's full of arrogance and pride. First Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love lifts people up. We are to be ambassadors for Christ, and so we are to live in gentleness and with good behavior. Gentleness reveals wisdom. So when you're being gentle and you're building up, you're using wisdom. You know, it's much easier to lash out or to respond in the wrong way. Um, It shows that you have wisdom. You've been seasoned. You've grown. Um, I I remember a time when my husband, we had to sit down with someone, and um, I usually don't do well when he's um, being accused of selling the things that aren't true, and I see how hard he works and studies, and I just sat there as this person, attacked us and, um, said things to us and, and I just was brokenhearted and, but I realized when we walked away, I didn't lash out. I wasn't sitting there crying. I wasn't flipping out. I just was like, Lord, you know the truth in all of this. And I can't defend. There's nothing that I can say that's going to change her mind. Like you have to do that, you know? And I remember my husband was like, what happened to you? like I was blown away. And I'm like, it was the Lord. And, and just the season, the time of just doing this together and realizing I'm going to look like a fool. If I say anything, you know, I just need to sit here and pray for God to help and intervene and protect us and how to encourage my husband after he's been so beat up, you know? So you learn, it may look like I'm a weak person if I'm being quiet or you're being quiet in the middle of that circumstance or situation. But God is calling us to be gentle, so he wants you to use that wisdom and be gentle and in, in how to handle it at the correct time, you know, knowing knowing what to say but when to say it, right? That's wisdom. should have that. I mean, there used to be a day where we had a phone on the wall or a phone. Now we have these guys. Um, so I don't know where you would put it. Maybe have it blink on before you respond in a text. <laughs> All right, so um, living his presence well, if he lives in me, and if I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, then live his presence well. So today we're going to look at two different kinds of wisdom the world's and godly wisdom. Let's continue on in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. There is a wisdom that is not heavenly; it's earthly, natural, and demonic. This type, excuse me, this type of wisdom evaluates everything by worldly standards and makes being right or personal gain our highest goal. So, women, would you rather be right or would you rather be loved? I know there was a time I wanted to be right, and now I just want to be loved. And um, so, would you rather be right or loved? There is a wisdom that is from beneath. Best translation, translation would be demonic I mean, that's what he says here, demonic. Beginning in Genesis 3, where Satan deceived Eve and continuing throughout the Bible, there is a wisdom of Satan at work fighting against the wisdom of God. We all know the story. Satan convinced Eve that she would be like God. He told her that the tree would make her wise. Ever since that event, people have continued to believe Satan's lies and have tried to become their own gods. Satan is cunning. It's not like he comes out with a pitchfork and, you know, like, it's not like, oh, you're Satan. No, he's totally in a costume. You have no idea it's him when when things are happening. He has wisdom that will confound and confuse you if you don't know the wisdom of God. It's me first, dog eat dog, step on whoever I have to, to get ahead, wisdom full of selfishness and every evil thing, and it will destroy your life. That's our world. It's the me first. Dog eat dog, step on whoever I have to, to get wisdom full of selfishness. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. There's a good picture of this in Acts chapter chapter 8, 18, a picture of selfish ambition. Simon offers money, saying, give me this power also, that anyone who I may lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Have you thought the gift of God would be purchased with money? You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart, and I have heart underlined, is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. And another thing that really cannot be from above is comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's not wisdom, and that's not coming from the Lord. If we truly are disciples of Christ, we will realize that each one of us has been designed by incredible artists, by an incredible artist, and have been given different gifts, talents to bring into a dark and fallen world. I'm going to ask you guys a question. What is, and I want you to get out your pens. I'm gonna ask you a question, I don't want you to write down and also just be praying through it, and, and the Lord may show you something else later. There's no correct or wrong answer here. And you cannot use love. What is the number one thing you were created to bring into this world? <laughs> just write it down. What do you think it is? It cannot use love. What is the number one thing you think you were created to bring into this world? And you can't use love because that's too easy. I'm going to show you some examples that I've heard of. Children, hope, acceptance, grace, truth, hospitality, I have a girlfriend that has that gift and she's amazing. Peace, smiles, because I really think hospitality is going out the window. I really do. Smiles, service, sharing, joy, understanding, empathy, laughter, healing, generosity. So there's no wrong answer. Just what do you feel like the Lord, you know, the one thing you were created to do, like you, I don't know. I just thought that would be fun. You know, just think you're not here by chance, but by God's choosing. His hand formed you and made you the person you are. He compares you to no one else. You are the one of a kind. You lack nothing, even though we think we lack things that his grace cannot give you. He's allowed you to be here this time in history to fulfill his special purpose in this generation so it's unfair to compare just be the best you you can be fearing and respecting god learning to walk in the wisdom that comes from above so the earthly wisdom that compares that's not from god so 17 through 18 but the wisdom that is above is first pure then peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We all remember James 1, 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will freely give it to you without reproach. Um, the Lord gave me that verse when I took my nursing boards, because I was petrified. And I was like, okay, he's going to give me wisdom. And so we're going to ask him for wisdom now. I don't know what's going on in each of your life's lives. But we need wisdom, right? Who doesn't need wisdom? So let's go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now, Lord. And you know each woman here. You know what is going on in their life, what possibly they could be facing tomorrow. And we just come before you, Lord, and we ask for wisdom. Maybe it's wisdom in uh, where to live or if to move or... What do we do now in a different season or whatever it may be? Or how do we parent these these children? Um, Or maybe we have a a prodigal, Lord. So you know each one what's going on, Lord. And we just ask for your wisdom for what we need, Lord. Please give it to us. We ask because that's what your word says for us to do. So we cry out to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Chronicles... um, uh, Second Chronicles 1, verse seven says, "On the night that God appeared to Solomon and said to him, "Ask what shall I give you?" And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my Father, and have made me king in this place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my Father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude." This is what he asked for. He can ask for anything. Like, do you ever do that? I do that with my kids sometime. Okay. If the Lord was here and he said, you can have three things, what would you ask for? I always do that. I still do that with them. They probably think I'm crazy. He says in verse 10, now give me wisdom and knowledge. That just blows me away that that's what he would ask for. I probably wouldn't have asked for that that I may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for a long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself. I have this all underlined because I just think it's like, I don't know. It's amazing that you may judge my people over whom I have made your king, you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. It's mind-blowing. So how does Sodom apply? He asked for wisdom. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs. There's so much wisdom in that book. If you're ever like, I need wisdom, just start reading the book of Proverbs. Remember the story, and it's one of my favorite stories, of the two women who were fighting over the baby? They had – the one had – baby had died that night, and the other one went in and took the baby and put it by her side and nursed it. And then they were were saying whose baby is whose. They took it before him and said, we don't know. This is my baby. I want this – you know what I mean? They were saying that. And, you know, what – he didn't know whose baby it was. But what wisdom he said, what does he say to them? Cut the baby in half, and you can each have a piece. And the real mother says, no, give the baby to her. That was wisdom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, such wisdom. Huh? Sorry, I didn't know if something was wrong because he's staring back here at me. Okay, sorry, distracted. He knew full re- well that the real mother would stand up and say, hey, no, give her that baby. He was so wise. It's a very good idea as we try to live a life to bring glory. To ask the Lord, is this you? Is it my flesh? Is it the devil? Trying to really cause destruction. When I get mad, I try and give myself a time out. I did that with my kids. I do it still. Like, sometimes I just need to, like, um, because I'm, like, thoughts there, out. Like, no, thoughts need to stay for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, compute and what. It just, I need a time to, like, decompress. So if you need to give yourself a time out and thought, think about it, you know, pray about it. I don't want my flesh acting out. Self-control is fruit of the spirit. There's nothing wrong with waiting to respond or waiting to deal with something. Or any of you have like a situation and you're like, I just want to handle it now. There's nothing wrong. Like, I'm always like, Tony's so good about this. He'll get a phone call. And I'm like, you got to call him back now. He's like, no, we, we don't. I'm like, okay. But aren't you stressed out? I'm not going to sleep all night because you don't want to call him. And he's like, it's fine. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. We can call back tomorrow. We're going to pray about it. We're going to seek the Lord. And I'm like, you know, biting my nails over here. But he's got such wisdom in that. Um, If you need wisdom on things, the wisdom of God is pure and second is peaceable. So ask yourself is this pure and what are my motives here? Do you have a peace about it? if you're generally following Jesus, you can trust him, right? That's been my big word is trusting him. I'm always saying, okay, Lord, help me to trust you. Sometimes I'll just say that and I, okay, I trust you with this. You know, I'll trust you with my girls. Cause once, you know, it's so easy when they're little, you have complete control as mom, <laughs> then you gotta, and there's no control. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, Lord, you're in control. Um, if you're generally following him, you trust him because he's the shepherd, is not dependent on the sheep's IQ. Thank God he's not dependent on our IQ, right? Isaiah 55, 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. Use scripture when making a decision. Do you have peace about moving here? If you don't, then don't do it. Don't, if there, and I've always said that, too. If there's confusion... I don't make any decision when there's confusion because that's from the enemy. So don't make a decision. Wait on the Lord till you have that peace. Um, It's not an, if it's not a nine one one decision that has to be made. So it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's kind, it's understanding, understanding, considering others. Philippians four five says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. It's willing to yield. The compliant person is willing to hear all sides of a question But she does not compromise her own convictions. She can disagree without being disagreeable. There was the statement I was looking for. When God's wisdom is at work, there is a willingness to listen, think, and pray, and obey whatever God says. God's wisdom is full of mercy. To be full of something, it means to be controlled by. The person who follows God's wisdom is controlled by mercy. And what is God's mercy? It's holding back suffering or struggles. God's grace is prospering us. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We need to remember this in raising our kids because sometimes we can be harsh and not show mercy. We always had in our consequence box, once we were beyond spanking, we had a consequence box that they would go. And we had um, a couple mercies. We had papers folded up with different consequences. And we had a couple mercies in there. And it was such a joy to watch them um, pull out the mercy one. And I think, oh, gosh, that's how God's mercy is, you know. Full of good fruits, people who are faithful are fruitful. God's wisdom does not make a life empty. It makes it full. God's wisdom is practical. It changes life and produces good works to the glory of Him. It also says without partiality, De- deceive, uh, decisiveness. The word suggests singleness of mind and is the opposite of wavering. Remember, in James one six, we had, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind we want to be without wavering. When you lean on the world's wisdom, you are pressured from one side and then another to change your mind or to take a new viewpoint. When you have God's wisdom, you need not waver. You can be decisive and not be afraid. Wisdom from above brings strength from above. Without hypocrisy, he says here, sincerity, one who wears a mask is an actor. When man's wisdom is at work, there may be insincerity and pretense. When God's wisdom is at work, there is an openness and honesty, speaking the truth and love. Wherever you find God's people pretending and hiding, you can be sure the wisdom of the world is guiding them. Faith is living without scheming. Worldly wisdom will produce worldly results, spiritual wisdom will give spiritual results. Worldly wisdom produces envy, strife, confusion, evil works, jealousy, competition. All of these contribute to confusion. Godly wisdom produces blessing, fruit. There is a vast difference between man-made results and God-given fruit. Fruit is the product of life, and fruit has its seeds for more fruit. The Christian life is a life of sowing and reaping. The Christian who obeys God's wisdom sows righteousness, not sin. He sows peace, not war. The life we live enables the Lord to bring righteousness and peace into the lives of others. It's a serious thing to be a troublemaker in God's family. One of the sins that the Lord adhors, he actually he hates, is that of sowing discord among the brethren. In Proverbs 6, you guys can go there if you want, but you don't have to. Um, Proverbs 6 16 through 19, it says these six things the Lord hates. That's pretty strong. So I think they're important to know what they are. Yes. Seven are an abomination to him. I butchered that word. A proud thou, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. That's us. He hates anyone starting trouble among us. Lot followed the world's wisdom and brought trouble to the camp of Abraham, but Abraham followed God's wisdom and brought peace. Lot's decision led to good-for-nothing works, and everything he lived for went up in what? Smoke. And that was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's decision in the wisdom of God led to blessings for his own household and ultimately for the whole world. And we see that in Genesis 13. And that's what we want. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's be women who make peace.